be. Yes, we are back again. It is the I Get Buckets podcast. My name is Simon Harricks, your host, as always. And we are here again for another edition of the Fantasy Review Season 21-22. And if you've been keeping up to date uh, with all the podcasts that we're smashing out, it is a review of the teams in the I Get Buckets League. And we are projecting all of the picks that have been taken and how the, the players look and how they've taken early, just right, late, what they're looking in their situation with NBA basketball. And if you were listening last time, we were talking about having basketball while we have a prolonged winterish rained time in Melbourne, but it's nice to say that it's sunny and beautiful outside, so if you do hear the birds or my dog, it's because the weather's turned it on, and every time we get sun, I feel like basketball is just around the corner. It's a good time of the year, and it's great to be back here again to go through team number three. So number three, fourth podcast, and we have a few in the barrel to be shooting out very quickly for you, hopefully, um, for this weekend going into next week, and especially with a, a guest podcaster from the league to kind of run down some of the selections that I made with my team. So he's no stranger to the I Get Buckets uh, podcast, and uh, my main man, Daisy Dale, is going to be running through some of the selections, and he's always uh, ready with a hot take to, to kind of take me to task, and I'm super keen to hear the thoughts on all of that, but for today and this podcast, we're looking at pick three in the league, and what I might have alluded to in some of the selections is that I think uh, almost consensus one across the board was the main man, Luka Doncic, for the team now dubbed Luka Dong Thick. He's come in hard in more ways than one, and he selected him with the first pick for the team, and I think it was a no-brainer. I think we spoke about potentially a top three and then a bit of a break um, for a harder selection. And as I might have said, in that three, I did think there was a clear top two, which makes this a a really easy pick for me. I think he's shown um, with his counting stats already that he is elite fantasy-wise, 34.3 average last season. the, the thing with him is it you know, can only kind of go up from here, you'd think. So while I don't you know think he's as bankable as Jokic and Antetokounmpo, it's really hard to hit those kind of heights and the, the way that he's got the Dallas team all built around him. He kind of does everything. He does have that real kind of James Harden feel, but he's kind of got this more team where he's, he's the complete alpha. He's getting everything. If he can improve some of his shooting, um, he's going to go down as... One of the best players to kind of come through a little bit, at least if you can get the success and, and build up to the hype. You know, he's one of those guys that if you're starting a team from scratch in real life, he's probably the first one you get. And the the every hype he's kind of um, level or, or projection for him he's hit so far, and we're going to keep going with that. So um, I don't think there's, you know, too much to say. Obviously, stats last year were beautiful kind of to see in terms of the countings you know you're hitting that eight rebounds you're hitting eight assists the 27.7 points is you know above elite elite you know exactly what and there's no way I feel that's going anywhere anytime soon so a complete replication of that I think again the change with some of the scoring helps him maybe slightly like it's not going to be a big deal I think you know at, at this time top sphere of of the elite you know top five players taking over but again 
It's the right one, and I know Coach um, did hint to the fact that he might have had a couple other players that he was sneaky thinking might should have gone at three above above Luca, and I um I'd be happy to say that you know I don't think he 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 could have made that mistake and he didn't, and, and the, the best way to go is is with Luka Doncic here. I know you know he got picked number two last year and didn't really finish in the in the in the top five, but I think. You know, a lot of the circumstances and everything around all the players is that he's one of the most bankable ones we've get, and I'd be very happy to to take him here and, and build your team from there. Um, and and talking straight into to building the team from there. So um, we go back and Rudy Gobert comes through in pick eighteen to to round off the team. So. Again, Rudy Gobert's just kind of shown us time and time again as being one of the most rock-steady fantasy players you can get. An average of 30.3 last year puts him in the upper echelon of players. And what is good about him is it's really just not his average that you look at. You need to look at his total points scored. Something that, you know, I'm probably um, ashamed, you know, something that I think I need to be doing a little bit more and coaches probably if they're smart, are looking at that total points scored rather than just the average. And Rudy Gobert is always favorable with that because he doesn't miss games. Um, he hasn't. <laughs> I mean, he's not sick with COVID. So it's only really that that he, it keeps him down over the, the long term of the season. Um, he is one that, when we are looking at the points adjustment, will have a little bit of a, a knock only because he doesn't shoot. All of his benefit is from the the elite rebounding county stats and the finishing at the rim. Um, so it's not like he's getting hurt by the change, but other players do pass him a little bit in some of their potential upside this year. But, of course, Rudy Gobert is someone that you can bank on the Jazz, you know, finishing as, you know, the number one team in the West. And I think, really, there's nothing to say that they can not repeat the fans or the success of, of the team last year and, and go bear averaging in you know the top rebounders of the league again if you can you know project upwards of 13 rebounds a game it holds you in such good stead that it's one of the most minimal risk kind of um, players for you to round out a squad in the back of round two and usually we see him go earlier in round two so maybe you know people are looking at a little bit of that that kind of drop off or players going past him I honestly do agree that I had him a little bit lower than some of the other guys. Um, only because of that, I had him at you know 21 on my big board, so really a marginal kind of drop off. Um, guys like Sabonis and Bam Adebayo, which went you know the, the two picks directly after, I did have ranked above Gobert this year because I just think they can do a little bit more. But in terms of consistency, Rudy Gobert's got the edge over them, that's for sure. Um, and it's a fine way to kind of round out your team in the first two rounds on the back of Doncic. So I like it. And um, for, for Coach here, it's always an interesting analysis. And the top two picks he went last year with um, Embiid and Booker were really, really interesting ones. And I think this one, we've played it a little bit more safe, but I think safe in a good way. And he can build from here, especially with a bang-bang jazz players and going in on Donovan Mitchell for pick 23. So Donovan Mitchell, um, yeah, I, I think we've hard to project like in you know, the past couple of years, you know, he came so quick onto the um, the kind of scene in basketball and an NBA fantasy um, that 
by the time he went to his sophomore season, there wasn't really too many people projecting uh, this leap because he already really hit such a you know a high standard. Obviously, that was their leap, but we've seen him being drafted in the past couple of years in this kind of third to four round, expecting him to to really kind of push what he has been doing to that next level. His average of um, 26.5 last year, very good. But I think people have kind of looked at him to, you know, is he in the realm of your, you know, Bradley Beals and Jason Tatum's where they can, you know, push this top 15 kind of elite fantasy potential. And in that realm, we haven't seen it yet. I think he's primed in, in every way to, to still kind of take that leap. But I think what we've seen a lot of Donovan Mitchell and kind of what he brought to, you know, the best team in the West last year is is a lot of what you know he he brings and I think there's there's ways for you to you know really think that he's he's gonna be every bit um an elite player and you take him at this time because he projects that forward. I had him at twenty eight on my big board, so only just a little bit lower. You know, players again like your Trey Youngs and your Jimmy Butlers were taken directly after, and I had them a few picks ahead, especially Trey Young. But I think Donovan Mitchell is a really kind of handy player, and if you want to hitch your, your wagon to, to Utah Jazz with two of your first three picks, I think there's a lot of other you know things that you could have done a lot worse, especially because of the way they play. These are their two big pillars. You know The fact that they've been such a good regular season team, I really think that Donovan Mitchell can kind of take that next step um, but I think it will only be marginal for him to kind of approve on little different things, whether it's coaching or efficiency or kind of making sure his feel for, for some of the games as they, they as he learns and kind of gets older and stuff, I think can really slightly tick up. And, and that's where the, the projection is going to be. Obviously, it's not him, you know, taking on more of a role or kind of adding this real different kind of scoring element for him to take over. I think we've seen pretty much everything that Mitchell's got. It's just that kind of tweaking for him to really understand how his game impacts um, basketball and how he can match it with the other kind of elite guys in the in the NBA, especially with as Utah Jazz have been such a good team. But, you know, through the eyes of a lot of people, they still don't look as the Jazz as, you know, this Goliath kind of NBA, you know, West team that teams need to go through. It's still, um, you know, them putting a little bit of respect on their name. And I think, Donovan Mitchell having a good season this year um, will definitely go a long way to doing that. So I think there's there's different definitely different ways you could have gone with this pick, and I potentially would have lent towards a few players that I think will shoot a, you know have a little bit of a high average and, and kind of can push their fantasy potential a little bit further. But I mean, it's not going to be it's not something that I get really angry at. I think Donovan Mitchell is there to be taken, and I'd be very happy. With getting that, you just are really hoping for a, a good Utah Jazz season here, um, which looks like it will happen, so that's fine. Um, yeah, moving forward, um, we have a pick that I really like. I think it was the right time, slash maybe like early, but I like I, I get all the reason. I've been a big fan of MPJ. Michael Porter Jr., Jr. pick 38. Um, he's pick 37 in my big board. Like This is where I think... You need to take him. I thought I had him a little bit early, but you know I had big raps on him, and obviously other coaches did as well. They're, they're reading the same vibes I am. You know, obviously Denver with the the no Jamal Murray. What we kind of saw on the back end of last season, Michael Porter Jr. 
just signs, you know, that max deal. He's locked in. He's got this tantalizing NBA game that a lot of other players don't, and it, it looks really beautiful at times, and then at times it can be frustrating. But if he gets all the pieces together, it's he's someone that can really be an elite kind of cornerstone to a fantasy team. And, you know, we saw with him going kind of the middle to late rounds last year, but then his consistency in what he was doing without even having to kind of take over games or it didn't feel like they were really forcing the issue with him too much and he, he was able to kind of accumulate this stuff. So if they see him as such a big piece of what Denver's going to do this year, I can only you know project or think there's going to be more of this Michael Porter Jr. package that we're going to get enamored with. I think a lot of the things or the problems are still there and I want to see him work it out in terms of the laziness on defense for him in transition D and some of his decision making I think is still poor even though he has one of the more you know beautiful jump shots sometimes his his quick kind of catch and shoot release can get a little bit frustrating if you think okay can't we just have Denver run something when you're their guy they'll run something for you you'll get the ball back if you just go through some screens or you know positions yourself for, for an advantage rather than I've hit a couple of shots, so let's just start jacking. But when it does kind of work, um, it almost feels kind of so pure um, that as a scorer going forwards. I think the rebounding has always been a really nice kind of touch to his game. Offensive rebound, he's one of those players that I think his eyes light up when he can see the opportunity, which is always good fantasy-wise. If you're not going to you know, bust your ass on D, um, for defensive rebounds, if you want to bust your ass for offense, even if the coach at some times will be a little bit disappointed about your positioning. I mean, it, it plays on well. And there was concerns originally, like uh, with you know the coaching at Denver, Michael Malone, on what are, what's the best five? Can we put Michael Porter Jr. in these positions without it hurting us too much? And um, that was a real concern early last season. I think, but we've, we've seen the kind of growth with that. We've seen the learning. Obviously, with no Murray, I, they can't afford to not you know put him in these positions anymore. The rebounding has always felt quite effortless with his numbers, and you know rebounding and scoring is, is what's going to happen if you can get anything in the way of it, like an assist. He only averaged one point one assists last year. I'm not expecting it to go up, but I think he he has a game where you know he's long. He can potentially bump up the steals. The weak side block stuff, you know, if you could commit to the rotations. Um, there's there's a lot of avenues to go forward. I think in the minds of many, maybe it's a touch early, but not for me. I think it's the right time to take him. Um, and that's what I'm going to say about MPJ. It's a good pick. Let's go. Um, next one. <laughs> I, can, I can see why. So for pick 43, Montrez Harrell, um, based on... On if you're projecting his role to be a little bit similar to you know your Los Angeles Clippers, um, 26, 27 minutes a game, 36, you know that's 36 minutes per game average um, fantasy darling. When you kind of do how much he impacts, you know the fantasy scoring compared to the minutes on he's on the floor, I kind of really get it. So 22 by nine minutes last year. If this push is really you know high. Um, obviously a new team, Washington Wizards, you know, front court. I can see it all kind of being there. I think if he develops a rapport with, you know, Dinwiddie, and we saw Dinwiddie kind of 
have a nice rapport when you play in Brooklyn with like Jared Allen and I think he's a very willing passer. Um, I th- like, it's there, it's all there and I get it and I think he's had Harold before early days, maybe not, but I think he's a believer. I, th- I think many other teams weren't really looking at him this early. Um, I think maybe I had him a little bit late on my board, but I think a lot of what I saw last year kind of scared me off and the biggest thing for me is I'm, I'm I'm not certain that he really has that role locked down they have you know a few big men you know at Washington I'm not sure what they're you know thinking about with Gafford um, there's a couple of you know Thomas Bryant coming back at some stage there's just real question marks for me so I had him at 97 which feels like a huge drop compared but if you sat me down and, and kind of sold me on all these upsides and say, no, he's, he's going to play all these minutes in Washington, you're not getting the read right, he kind of came through the package and they feel like he's a big piece, then I'm like, okay, I had him too late on my board. I should have been looking at him earlier. Um, but these were some of the reasons originally that, you know, when I saw him get picked this, I'm like, okay, there's a chance that this doesn't really kind of carve itself into something that's worth risking at only your fifth round so you know your very first or the back end of the first third of your you know players that you're banking on um i really thought you could have gone elsewhere and we'll see how it goes we've seen harold and the way he's um been able to be you know such a fantasy asset and if you can kind of carve out something similar to that at washington then it's it's green lights for me but i would have even if you'd sold me and all of that, I would have wanted to take him a little bit later. Um, it's all good. Next, we have Colin Sexton, which I like at pick 58. I think it's interesting because, and now I go again with the word interesting, which means <laughs> I don't want to say good or bad. Obviously, last season, he was really important and a real fantasy kind of revelation for someone who got picked, I think, from memory a lot later then he should have given his um, output. So I'm just trying to find him on my list because I know I had him in a really interesting position. I had him at 60 and he averaged 23.6 last year. Um, so, you know, only coach only takes him a couple of picks earlier than I had him on my board. He was one of the ones where I was waiting for someone else to take him and I was going to be interested in where he went. Obviously, I would have taken him if he, if he kind of really lasted. But I was a little bit scared. I thought there was a little bit of hype, you know, built into what he did last year. But also, if you kind of read the tea leaves a little bit about Cleveland and the expectations for him being a cornerstone and, you know, some of the question marks around what the market was for him and what should we be paying him, a lot of this conversation doesn't really instill a huge amount of confidence about, you know, him building on his average of 23.6 last season and... I think at this position, you don't need him to because, I mean, you've got him at 58. You, you kind of need him just like replicate it. But, I, you know, I, there was concerns about how Cleveland's going to be built this year. Who The Darius Garland kind of piece to this was, was quite interesting for me because I had, I had quite purposely Garland at 61 on my big board, which is one place be, behind Colin Sexton because in my mind, I think there's a strong argument that Garland kind of may not even take a step forward but overpass Sexton 
this year depending on how things kind of shape out and there's a lot of hype on Garland and you you know you can push back on that thought process if you want and I wouldn't be angry but in my mind I think Garland you know has his potential to be even a better player and that my I always found that someone was going to pick Colin Sexton before Garland it was going to happen and then I'd be happy to let someone you know make that choice and then I would you know get Garland if the time was right um, but I, you know, all, all this kind of put together. Colin Sexton averaged twenty three point six last year. He's still super young. He's a big piece of what they're doing. Um, he's going to be, you know, playing the same, if not similar, minutes from day dot. Um, there is just a little bit of a cloud and question marks over um, how he kind of projects forward this year and what you think he is as a player. And that was the only reason why I was a little bit hesitant. But at pick fifty eight, it's really where I kind of had him for you to start thinking about. So if things kind of go well, um, it, it becomes a really kind of nice rounded pick for you to, to add in there. Um, I think Jeremy Grant is your next pick at 63. Is, is again, is, is, is a nice kind of one. I I think even with like Cade Cunningham and, and some of the kind of changes at Detroit based on what he did last year, really exceeding everyone's expectations. Maybe the only person who didn't, <laughs> who, who was on the money was actually the coach of this team for last year and when they took him again. Um, I think they ended up taking him early, but he, in, in you know, the what we kind of thought, a lot of people were shocked. And then he, he, he made himself so valuable that he was worthwhile even earlier than, or he should have been picked even earlier based on his projections at the end. You know, he averaging 22.9 um, and becoming a real kind of solid scorer and driver of everything that Detroit were doing and obviously they were you know a very poor team last year but even with the addition of Keg Cunningham you know I still think he's the the best fantasy prospect on their team currently and and he needs to be drafted um accordingly because of that I had him at 57 on my board so through that prism I think again around about the right mark for for coach here at 63 um I think he can become more efficient in what he's doing and it's going to be interesting some of the roles that they do but I I would be happy that he's really more bankable than other players around him at this time of the draft even if you think his role's a little bit different than what it was so I'm fine with that moving forward and I think Jeremy Grant is is a good pick. We are smashing it out and we're on to his next pick in round eight and that is number 78 and it is Wendell Carter Jr. Um, for Luka Dong Thick of the Orlando Magic. I have strong feelings for him that's a little bit similar to the Montrez Harrell in terms of his role and that's where the concern kind of comes from. But we've seen, um, obviously, the glimpses of, of Wendell Carter Jr. and what he can kind of do that makes him very appealing fantasy wise. I think obviously to begin with his season, he was a little bit plagued by what the role was and he's kind of fouling and stuff. And I think ideally like a change of scenery is really good for him. He showed last year that it's kind of there, but it's okay. Well, what role is he going to give him? If you tell me that I think he's going to start um, as their, they're really kind of number one big man. Um, and he's going to carve up, they, you know, they trade him for a reason. They're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. He he can really move him his way into being worth this position in fantasy. But 
like I do think there's competition whether you think there's any <laughs> um, thought around what Mo Bamba is still doing um, for the Orlando Magic. I, he wasn't drafted in the league and he wasn't supposed to. Like, Wendell Carter's the, the right option. I just had a really um, difficult uh, journey mapping out what the Orlando's um, pathway in all their players to, to fantasy success was the year. He was, you know, really hard. And Wendell Carter Jr. through that, that prison was you know, the second Orlando player, you know, I had on my big board um, to be taken after Jalen Suggs, who, you know, hasn't played a game for them. Um, but I just had him at 101. So, you know, a couple of rounds after um, pick 78 for sure. And because, of, you know, I just, I'm a little bit unsure of exactly what he um, is going to bring from a nightly, night-to-night basis. Um, I think it can be quite crowded with some of the options that they've got and, I project Orlando, you know, to not be great <laughs> this year. Um, I just think there's there's competition there. I, I'm not 100% sold on, on exactly his role and when Jonathan Isaac comes back and how that's going to to work. And, you know, they've got a gluttony of guards as well that I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't get a handle on. It's just a weird situation and I don't have answers for it. And someone else, you know, will and will have some of these answers, you know, two, three weeks in. Um, but for you to, to answer the question now in, in putting your faith in Wendell Carter Jr. at this pick, it could be awesome. It's just, it is a big risk on my part, and I'm not sure how many other players were really honing in on, on, on him at this point. But as I said with some of the, you know, the big man who, if he does get a role and can get the minutes, the pathway for him to be a really important part of the team is definitely there so in that way I can definitely respect it and and like the kind of swing it was just something that scared me off on draft night to kind of put too much bank into Wendell Carter Jr but this is the sliding door stuff that you know makes fantasy interesting and once we get a bit of more of a read on on their minute allocation and it might be really clear that Wendell Carter Jr is very much worth um this pick or even higher for him to to you know, fill out the expectations and success that we've seen in a in a vacuum at Chicago Bulls. So, really good if you if things happen. Um, moving on, we have Buddy Healed next. Um, usually, I think the record kind of repeats on Buddy Healed for the analysis fantasy wise for the past few years. But for whatever reason, whether it's um, people saying that they should have like should have traded for Healed instead of um, Russell Westbrook or maybe some of the things that you pick on have, have pumped him up a little bit that he feels a little bit more like tasty or um, exciting this season. Is it just me? I just, I usually have been quite off him, but this season I felt a little bit better about Buddy Heald becoming more dynamic, more important and the Kings, you know, being a little bit better this year. Um, I think he's a really He's a good place and, and time for him to go for Buddy Heald. So pick 83. I had, I had Heald at 79. Um, so I'm really I'm really high. I think the 18.8 average is a starting point for him moving forward. And, and I kind of like this being a more important year for him to kind of show a little bit more to what he's doing. And I know it's kind of hard because the Kings are a little bit bloated again it's not just you know Tyrese Halliburton coming in 
um, Davian Mitchell, Mitchell obviously having more of a a role. Um, it's just I just think like it's it's one of those kind of um, you see the stock and the hype and and people have always been a little bit more enamored by his skill set than than I have been, but um, I think he's still kind of locked in um, to that thirty plus minutes a game, and as the Kings I finding out what they're doing a little bit more and maybe have a little bit more success. Heald's still one that will, will get his role and, and push forward. And I do, you know, look at Barnes and Fox as maybe having a little bit of a um, a step back and, and that Heald isn't going to suffer as much as, as those two. He, he's still going to be pushing and projecting forward a little bit, um, which is a bit of a flip because I've been usually pretty down on Buddy Heald. Um, thinking he's a little bit one-dimensional. They've got more playmakers. They're not going to really do too much with him. But yeah, yeah. The the more I kind of I'm I'm feeling this. I'm vibing it. It's good. I'm feeling in a good mood today. Um, so I'm happy to kind of talk up Buddy Hill. Who would have thought? Let's go. Um, <laughs> Jalen Green. I it's really hard to to project, but I think this is you know the time you have the risk for, for Jalen Green, and that's at pick ninety-eight. I think you could tell me that he wins rookie of the year and is the best player on you know fantasy wise in Houston and I wouldn't you know blink. I think the role's there, they've taken the guy that they want. I think the pathway for him is is really nice. I, I like that he's still playing a little bit, you know, hungry. I like the kind of G League ignite kind of path that he's kinda of come through. He's played with men, um, he's had, you know, NBA players, past um, and coaches, like, you know, really being in his environment to kind of help him to be very ready for, for this season in in a lot of ways makes me really kind of comfortable with him going forward. Obviously, skill set-wise, the shooting and the scoring and everything's going to be what he relies on and is going to be his cornerstone to... Um, Everything that he does, the, the counting stats, I think are gonna slowly come, but it's not gonna be something that you really see off the the bat as much. He might he might kind of surprise in that aspect, but I think he's gonna get the minutes, the opportunity, and if things click early, which they really could, you're gonna see him as this coach took Anthony Edwards last year, and the way he kind of finished, his expectation was off. Oh, can Jalen Green be what Anthony Edwards was, but from kind of the get-go? <laughs> and in that, and that again, positive feeling, you know, this is where I would have taken him. Um, I think this is the time, in looking back on, on who I picked earlier in the round, I potentially would have, would have liked to kind of swing for the fences a little bit more, maybe. And I had him at 81 on my board, so to get him at pick 98, I think is, is fantastic, just for a um, comparison, I had Mikael Bridges at, at this round earlier at 72 and I took him there. And I followed my big board, but that's the thing. You always chop and change in the heat of the moment. Um, and looking at, at Jalen Green kind of there, I think it was a good time to, to do a bit of a risk. So, yeah, all aboard. Um, next pick, Sadiq Bay at pick 103. So, Sadiq Bay again feels like he's been chosen because he's this young coming off rookie season player that showed 
a real kind of base level of fantasy appeal and his role projects forward really healthily because Detroit, you know, don't have a lot going for them and they're leaning into some to see what they've got with some of these younger players. So in that respect, I get it, but you could sell me on, you know, more of that kind of Isaiah Stewart um, guys or even Killian Hayes in terms of where their roles kind of go move forward than Sadiq Bay, who I think is more of this kind of glue guy dude that will do a little bit of everything but isn't going to show me, you know, consistent nights of scoring, you know, over 15 points um, and may kind of struggle if he's not scoring and he's actually not rebounding a lot either. Um, and, you know, if, if you can carve out some of that, that rebounding numbers that make the the scoring not feel as important, then that's going to be, be great. And, you know, in fact, he was, you know, one rookie of the month last year and um, did a lot of stuff you know, he's quite promising and I haven't, you know, watched a lot of Sadiq Bay, so maybe he'll surprise me. But it was a little bit of a shock that I think he went um, this early on another Detroit player pick with, with some of the stuff still left um, up on, you know, available in the, the pool. So, um, yeah, we'll go to next pick, Kyle Kuzma. I Like, I, I, I get it. Like, I feel like all the picks, are, they've got reasons behind it. And it, it paves well for, for things if, if some of these expectations hit the mark a little bit. So at pick 118, I think it's the, the time I had Kyle Kuzma at 107. I th- you know, Washington's a little bit wishy-washy with what they're going to do. But in the same way as, as Harold, and it's interesting that he's got both of these kind of ex-Laker guys. Um, I think Kyle Kuzma's gone from a really nice piece that complemented some of the the Lakers players if he fit into his role to almost showing too much that the expectations and and what they thought he can do kind of push beyond what um, everyone. So, you know, he was getting drafted every year really, you know, in this similar round, but the the role cousin wasn't there for the Lakers. They were too good. He was, you know, coming on and, and, you know, only being able to, to shoot and show, you know, one aspect of his game because this is what made the Lakers, you know, the better team, like the the Lakers the best in him in being in that role. And then we saw with injuries last year, he he was afforded a little bit more opportunity to, to show some stuff. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, oh, I was shocked by how good he was in the role. I'm, I'm still not a big Kyle Kuzma fan, um, but... We've seen that there's you know things here for him to be put in a position at Washington that can play well fantasy wise and you know we've seen time and time again you don't have to be good in real life sometimes to be good fantasy wise which kind of sucks a little bit but if Kyle Kuzma's put in a role and he's still kind of a bit rough you're like yeah this is what Kyle Kuzma is he's actually not that good but you know if he's afforded the opportunities to you know play this kind of wing um, slasher scorer kind of guy for when they need it you know, around, you know, Dimwitty and Beal, who do kind of play quite similar as this kind of slashing kind of scorer guy. But I think, you know, if you can fill out some of the minutes, um, we've, we've seen what he can do in that role and it makes him worth this pick. But obviously there's all this kind of risk around him that we haven't seen him in that role. Do they want him? You know, is he going to play um, or is he going to be pushed back to, to, to what we've kind of seen in the Lakers when he was fantasy irrelevant almost? So, 
it's a risk it's a risk but um yeah again you can you can see some of the the reasoning and the the expectations on why this might be a handy addition this late um next one Darius Baisley it's hard for me to get excited about it at um 123 and i mean of course it's Darius Baisley there's not many people getting super excited again i get it OKC are a bit weird. They don't really have a lot of players that stand out projecting forward as, as fantasy commodities outside of SGA. And that's you know why you say, well, Darius Bailey is someone that they'll put into a position to succeed. And that was the reasoning why he got drafted last year as he moved into like a full-time kind of starter at the power forward. Um, and, you know, he did well with the, the 13.7 and um, 7 rebounds to kind of fill out um, a nice, a nice role of fantasy, but it's almost for me like he was drafted with hype last year to get this role, um, and then all of that kind of background worked out. He did get this role, he did get this opportunity, but it didn't pave its way into the fantasy, um, I guess, you know, delight and payoff that we got. So if you're going through with this season thinking that, oh, he's, he's a guy that's going to get more role and more players and, and it's going to be more scoring. Well, no, because he actually did get that role last year because they, they had no one else. So he's, he, he's, he's not in this position to get more role. It's, do you think he's going to get better? Um, so if you think that he's going to get better, then I'm happy with the pick. But if you think it's a not okay, so you don't have anyone, he's going to get the scores, then I think it's, it's off base a little bit. Um, Last couple of picks before my dog wants to eat me up because it's so beautiful outside and we need to start to take it for a walk. Um, where do we go? Here we have TJ Warren, which I think is a good pick if he's healthy. Like, I actually had him, and I said on draft at night, ready to take a couple of weeks earlier, but, you know, he, he has this... Um, Injury still like hanging over his head. So, um, last reported on the twenty eighth of September, as he's still you know three weeks away from being reevaluated. So, um, that means that you know in three weeks, they who knows what they're going to say then. But um, it feels like a slow recovery process. Um, I think he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. And worst case scenario, he's not ready. You know, for a few weeks into the fast, you know, the the start of the season, but. If you think everything you saw in the bubble, which seems so long ago now, <laughs> is right about DJ Warren, then you know he's a huge addition and, and able you know player to kind of bring some scoring. And he hasn't you know been able to play with with you know Karis Levert, so there's you know dynamics and and role kind of allocation there that's a little bit weird that they need to work out. But based on kind of what we saw him can be, the fact that if you want to get him in the second last round and kind of stash him and, and pick someone else up. I think it's it's a smart kind of avenue and way for you to go. Um, it's just disappointing that he may, you know, have a bit of a real slow start to the season and he have to take up one of your IR spots, which hopefully you don't all doesn't come back to hurt you, but may do it. I think going into the last pick now, Ricky Rubio, I think coach was um, a little bit not surprised that they, they took him this late, but with hindsight, I was like, oh, of course I took Ricky Rubio. <laughs> Is he going to do anything? Again, he's a player that kind of has shown us what he does. They think the fit in Cleveland's interesting, but I think it, it goes into quite similar 
as the the Minnesota fit in terms of he's this backup point guard role. He gives you, you know, passing first. We we know how good he can be and seen in Spain when he he can light it up a little bit, but it's not going to be his role. It's not going to be something he really does. Um, his you know shot still a little bit unreliable. Um, last year he had these patches that made him, you know bearable, like, you know, just that kind of last, you know, 50, you know, even less like 10, 20 guys in the league that are drafted because at least he does, you know, churn out um, consistent, you know, 12, 13, 14s. Um, but, you know, I don't think that really, you know, cuts it long term and as, as a player in your last round, someone you may want to roll the dice on elsewhere. So in that respect, and, you know, it's I, 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 I get it, but it's... It's really bottom of the barrel stuff, and you probably could have looked elsewhere. And I think, you know, if coach is more engaged in, in looking at some of the picks, um, it might pan out that way. But it'll be interesting seeing for Cleveland. I kind of like that. Um, awesome. We're smashing through this. I feel good at it again. Tight 40 minute wrap up here, um, which is what we're shooting for. Again, I hope everyone enjoys some of the insights. I feel like. I was a bit more direct and I was feeling good about some of the stuff compared to um, really getting bogged down in some of the me saying a lot without saying anything reviews for some of the players. But again, going off the top here, um, it's 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 fun, but sometimes difficult to really nut out um, thoughts on a lot of players that sometimes aren't that exciting. But um, we'll see how we go. It's a pleasure as always. And basketball is right around the corner. This is um, fourth one we've done. So six more to come, especially the guest one coming very soon. Maybe even very soon after I upload this one. So thanks again, everyone. Take care and enjoy and we'll chat soon. Love you all.